0: Welcome to episode 35 of the Mosin at Large podcast, which is devoted to the Zoom F6 portable digital recorder. Gary O'Donoghue introduced this to us a couple of episodes ago, and now he has a comprehensive review of its functions and why you might want one.
1: Mosin at
0: Large podcast. Now this review is segmented by chapters. If you're listening in a podcast player that allows you to skip between chapters, you can skip between significant sections of the review. Hello, this is Gary O'Donoghue, and this is a review
1: of the F6 digital audio recorder from Zoom from a blind person's point of view. Hello, and thank you very much for tuning into this review. Why you might ask another review of yet another digital recorder? Well, there are two principal reasons why I wanted to take a look at the F6 from a blind person's point of view. Number one is the recording technology that it is using. It's called 32 bit float recording. And in a sense, in effect, it means you don't have to worry about setting your gain absolutely properly when you're recording. And for blind people obviously we can't see the meters on the screen uh, if we're totally blind or even if we have some vision it's not very easy. This allows you to over or under record to a certain degree in fact to an enormous degree and rescue that recording when you transfer it across to your digital audio workstation. I'll be explaining more about that later on in the recording here. The second reason is that Zoom as have a couple of other manufacturers have now started to implement the ability to control digital audio recorders certainly the higher end ones from an app on a smartphone. Now it's worth saying in this case with the F6 there's only an iOS smartphone app at the moment so I'm sorry for those of you out there uh, on Samsung devices and Android other Android devices but at the moment as I understand it there's only an iOS app. Now there are other recorders in this same sort of area, price point, if you like, and it's not cheap, I'll mention that in a moment, uh, that do things similarly with an app. One I've tested from Sound Devices, which, which is the MixPre 2, uh, the six-channel version of that I tested, it allowed you to do some things Uh, from the app but not really very many things from the app the zoom f6 doesn't allow you to control the whole menu structure but it allows you to control an awful lot of it so if you combine these two things the ability to rescue your recording if it clips or if it's too low in post-production and the ability to control a fair amount from a smartphone running voiceover that you can use as a blind person i think that's a compelling reason to look at it Having said all that, of course, it is $650, this recorder, which is not cheap by any means uh, and not going to be for everyone. So that's something to bear in mind right from the beginning. I'm going to divide my review into three parts. The first part will be a physical description of the recorder itself, which is sitting on the desk here uh, in front of me. Uh, The second part will be a quick run through of the app, which I will record the voiceover output so you can hear what I'm doing. Uh, And the third part will be an audio demonstration where I'll under record something. Under-record it so much that you can't even hear it when played back. And then I will over-record something and I'll take it into the Reaper Digital Audio workstation and you'll hear how I can rescue that recording without compromising its quality. Now, just a few disclaimers before I start. First of all, I'm not being sponsored to do this in any way. I bought this Zoom F6 with my own money. Uh, The second disclaimer is that I am no mathematician or physicist or even a sound engineer. I'm a journalist by training so I will do my best to explain some of the technical aspects of the Zoom F6 and how it's doing what it's doing but I can't pretend to be uh, someone who understands the the really deep physics uh, of the whole thing. Uh, The third thing I'd say is I'm still learning this recorder. I've only really had it for a two or three weeks now I'm still finding out how it works and uh, so you'll have to bear with me and therefore I apologize for any mistakes I make about it uh, in advance but I'm still learning it but I know a fair bit about it now so I'm hoping I'll be able to give you some insight well with all that said let's get on to part one the physical description Okay, so I've got the Zoom F6 in my hand. It's a pretty sturdy piece of kit. It's a metal body, uh, it has some plastic around the edges as well. Uh, in terms of its actual dimensions, uh, I've got those here. It's 3.9 inches wide, it's 2.5 inches high when it's sitting on the desk uh, facing you, and it's 4.7 inches from front to back. And it weighs uh, 1.2 pounds, which I think is about 520 or 530 grams. It's a six-channel digital audio recorder. It has six XLR inputs in it. It doesn't have combination TRS XLR jacks. This is not really designed for musicians, so you'd need a some sort of converter, some sort of DI box, if you wanted to play your guitar into it directly. Uh, I'm going to take it from the very front so it's a it's a boxy-shaped machine um, and if you sit it on the desk in front of you the the Screen and the main buttons are facing towards you not facing up So I'm going to look at that front face to begin with And I'm going to look on the left hand side and on the very left edge are three knobs one above the other they are very closely spaced, and this is one, I think, of the ergonomic criticisms of the F6. And these pertain to channels 1, 2, and 3. And they have a very satisfying, which you'll be able to hear, click on and off. So these channels can be turned on and off physically from the front of the machine. So channel 1 at the top, channel 2 in the middle, channel 3 at the bottom. On the far right edge of the front of the machine are channels 4 at the top, Five in the middle, six at the bottom. And these are rotary dials, uh, and I'll talk a little bit later on about what they do. But effectively, they are faders rather than uh, gain trims if, uh, if, if in terms of the technical side of it, uh, but I, that they can be changed to do other things. Now, as well as those six knobs that control the six XLR channels, on the front of the machine, we have the screen in the middle, Uh, On the left-hand edge of the screen, there are two buttons, one above the other, spaced apart by about half an inch. The top one, top round button, is a menu button, and then below it, about half an inch down, is an enter button. At the same position on the right-hand edge of the screen, again, this is just in from where the three rotary dials are, there are two more identical buttons. The top one uh, is a back For menus or for tracks and the bottom one is a forward for menus or tracks at the bottom edge of the LCD screen there are three small rectangular buttons they are quite small again they are quite close together but there is a distinct gap between uh, the one in the middle and the one either side the first one on the left hand side and so this is just diagonally down from the channel 3 knob and it's right near the bottom edge of the recorder the first one there is a stop button the middle one is the record button and the rightmost one of the three buttons is the play button now what i will say to you now what i remember is that the other good thing about this recorder is when you press record you get a very satisfying bleep in your headphones and you can change the volume of that bleep but you do get it and when you press stop you get a double bleep so there's some really good audio reinforcement of that Now, I'm going to turn the recorder around to look at the right-hand side. And on the right-hand edge, the the longer edge, if you like, are uh, channels 4, 5, and 6, the XLR inputs, very close together. They are locking XLR inputs, so they've got the button you push in to to release the XLR jack from them. Above channel 4, so the leftmost one of these three, as I'm I'm looking at it, is uh, a rotary Uh, knob which is for the headphone volume headphones amp on this isn't that great to be honest it's it's pretty consumer grade but it does the business uh and that just turns that also presses in as a sort of click uh which can help you do some functions when you're changing the outputs and what's coming through the cans i haven't explored that enormously to the right of that and therefore above the xlr jack for channel 5 is a headphone uh output a 3.5 millimeter headphone output and to the right of that is some uh, a jack output for time code which i'm not going to go into at this stage but essentially it's about syncing up recordings when you're using this in conjunction uh, with a camera uh, very right edge uh, of the recorder towards the back uh, so this is above channel 6 xlr and to the right sort of tucked into the top corner under the lip of the top lip of the machine almost flush with the machine but not quite is a square button that you press in and hold in for about three seconds which is the power button okay Uh, three seconds to go on three seconds to go off uh, and you can hear it in your headphones when it's when it's doing both of those turning the machine round to its left hand side uh, so here we've got the same pattern of xlr uh, inputs uh, again from the sort of from the right-hand side as I'm now looking at it. So the the display and the front panel controls is to my, facing to my right. Uh, the rightmost XLR is number one, then number two, then number three towards the back of the machine. Again, locking XLR uh, inputs with the, the button you press in to release them. There's also here th- above channel t- two, a 35 millimeter jack, which is a line output jack um it's uh it's consumer level line output so it's not going to drive uh you know professional cameras or anything like that but it does give you a line output option and to the right of it uh, on the top again above channel 1 there is a slit um which is about an inch wide and about a quarter of an inch high and this is where the bluetooth dongle plugs in So I've just pulled it out, and I'm going to push it back in again, and it clicks in a satisfying way. The the dongle itself does not come with the recorder. You have to buy it extra, I'm afraid, and it's $30. It's called a BTA one Bluetooth dongle for the Zoom F6. I think it may work on some of their other Zoom recorders. I'm not sure. Um, And it is a smallish inch by inch and a tiny bit dongle, um and it only goes in one way and it, i wouldn't say it's flush with the machine it's not flush with the side of the machine once you put it in it doesn't stick out very much to be honest so you're you're not going to accidentally catch that now at the opposite end uh, or opposite sort of extreme of this left-hand side above channel 3 uh, there is a usb c uh, port And this device, the F6, can be used as an audio interface to your computer. So you can effectively give yourself a six-channel audio interface uh, straight into your PC or your Mac. Uh, And you can also record onto the device while you're using it as an audio interface. There are some restrictions on on how far you can push the sampling rate while you're recording and using it as a USB interface, but I I know you you can do that. Uh, It's also possible to power the unit through this uh, USB uh, port here, Uh, so that's a pretty good thing too. Um, So for example you could have a a wall adapter or you could use a USB power bank uh, with a cable plugged into the power bank and a USB end plugged into the recorder and that will power it too. Now talking of powering options. This is where I think uh, this recorder outdoes some of its competition. There are uh, three sets of powering options, the USB we've mentioned just now. Uh, You can also put uh, AA batteries into this, and I've turned it over, so I'm looking at the bottom of the recorder now. Uh, And on the bottom of the recorder, there are sort of on either side, so below the XLR inputs, there are two sort of rails with rubber feet on them, which they sit on the table. These rails run from front to back. Uh, I wondered what they were at first until I got a carrying, uh, a specially designed carry bag for this thing. And it has straps inside that it wraps around those those rails. So I man- imagine that was uh, uh, a factor in, in its design. Anyway, on the bottom face of the recorder, uh, uh, towards the back, in the middle of the back edge, um, there is a screw, a very prominent screw, which I can put my thumbnail into and I can turn and I can unscrew. And it then lifts up a door, which I've now lifted up. The the screw has stayed in place, lifts up a door, and inside is a a sled you can get your fingers round that pulls out in which you can put four AA batteries. Now, definitely don't run this on alkaline batteries. You won't get very much time at all. I don't know the, the specs on that, but... I'd be amazed if you get more than an hour and a half or two hours maximum on AA batteries that are alkaline. You can certainly use NIMH nickel metal hydride rechargeable batteries in this. I've done that, and they, you know, you get a few hours recording time out of that. You can also get nowadays actually lithium AA batteries, uh, which will give you even more time. And you can get rechargeable AA lithium batteries nowadays, which again would give you any more more time than that so i think the main point is alkaline and not going to give you much time any other options really will be absolutely fine i'm putting that door back on and screwing that back to but the thing i use most is on the back of the machine i'm going to un press a button on the back of this machine it has a built-in sled what they call it a sled for the L-Series Sony batteries. Now, they're the sort of batteries that you used to see on camcorders. Do you remember? They used to look like small candy bars. They were sort of square one side and the top edges were rounded and they had looked like sort of slidey bits on the edges and you slid them into place. And then when you charged them, you slid them onto a little charger that laid flat on the table. So these are L-Series NPF batteries. And I've, uh, this one I've got here at the moment is a 970, uh, I can't remember the, I, I, forgive me, I, I can't remember the actual measurement they're measured in, but they come in 970, 750, 550. And I've got a 970 here. And I have to tell you, I got bored of trying to uh, time how long it would record for. I put two microphones with supplying phantom power on in the morning and it was still recording the next morning. So the time, it is an absolutely astonishing. I've used a smaller battery on the back here, a 550. Again, it just went all day long. So you get astonishing amounts of time out of these batteries. And and frankly, they're not very expensive to buy. You can get a double pack of 550s with a charger in around the sort of $40 mark. So they're not expensive and you won't have to worry about Battery life and the, the the connector is built into the machine. Quite often, with machines like this, you have to buy an extra sled, uh, which you often get charged a lot of money for, uh, on top of you know the the batteries themselves. But this one is is part of the back of the machine. It works really well. Now, also on the back of the machine is a little door, and you get you can get your finger under it. It's like a rectangular, long rectangular door. And I'm pushing, pulling my nail under it, and it flips up, and this is where the SD card is. And it's one of those standard SD card slots where you push in on the card and it springs out. What I will say is that it's counterintuitive which way round this card goes in. It won't go in if, if you put it the wrong way, but just so you know, you look at an SD card and you know there are those on the what I would call the bottom side of those ridges those little ridges on the one end that goes into the computer. Well, in this slot, they face upwards in towards the machine rather than downwards towards the bottom of the machine. They face towards the top plate of the machine as you slide it into the slot and and it clicks in satisfactorily. And then you shut the door and it swings shut and then you have to put your NPF battery back on. Now, some people will say that's a bit of a pain. You can't get the media out unless you take the battery off. It takes a matter of moments to do that. Um, And frankly, uh, why would you want to take it out while while you weren't stopped anyway? So I think that's about it for the physical uh, description of the machine itself. Let's have a look at how this magic iOS app works with VoiceOver and see what we can control from the iPhone itself. Okay, so we've had a good physical look at the recorder. Now I want to talk about the app that you can use to drive it. It is only an iOS app, as I've said before. I don't think there's an Android version of it. It's called F6 Control. And of course, you do need the BTA1 Bluetooth adapter plugged into the side of the F6, which doesn't come with it and is an extra $30. Now, a couple of things to say, first of all, about the app. You do have to connect the app to the recorder each time you switch on the F6. It doesn't automatically find it after the first kind of pairing process. That's annoying. Uh, I wonder if that couldn't be something that could be sorted in firmware. I know there are security cer- concerns about that sort of thing, but I think there's probably options for that. Having said that, you have to learn one set of menu presses in order to put it in a, in a state where the app can find it. And at least it's only one set of menu presses, unlike in the past where we had to learn, as blind people, dozens of sets of menu presses just to get things done. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to press the menu button on the F6, which is the top one of the two to the left of the screen. I'm going to press the down arrow, which is the or the down button, which is the bottom one to the right of the screen five times. One, two, three, four, five. I'm going to press Enter, which is below the menu button. I'm gonna go down two more. I'm gonna press enter again. I'm gonna go down one more. I'm gonna press enter, and then enter again. And now I'm gonna go to my app on my iPhone screen. F6 control, double tap to open. And then I'm gonna double tap that. F6 control, Bluetooth devices. And it says Bluetooth devices, and it's looking for it. And I'm going to swipe right, to see if it's seen my machine. F6 underscore 22 BC, five, seven, nine, nine, three, nine, four, one, two. I'm gonna double tap on that. Alert connecting. It says connecting. Zero, 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 zero. And we're in. So we're in. We're connected. And we're right at the top of the screen. Uh, and I'm going to show you through this sc- screen. Zero, 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 zero. So that's the very top. There's a whole bunch of zeros. What is that? Well, the way I've got this recorder set up at the moment, and I think you can change this, but this will be the elapsed time of your recording so if I press record on the f6 now I've pressed record in fact I'm going to show you while I'm pressing record I'm going to turn up I've got a cable coming out of the headphone socket so this will be very hissy into the actual machine I'm recording this review on so bear with me with the hiss but you'll hear the the bleep it makes when you press the record button nice bleep I'm going to press the stop button double bleep so let me put it back in record I'll turn down that here. Let's look at the top of the screen where we were. zero 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 00000. 00005. I'm going to swipe right and then swipe back again. <display> 000013. So, 13 seconds. So you get the elapsed time at the very top of this screen of how long you've been recording. Let's have a look again. <etrical> 000024. 24 seconds. Not only does the bleep and the double bleep help you know when you're recording but you can look at the app and tell that you're recording as well fantastic i'm going to press stop on the machine now let's look some of these uh, values on this screen i don't know what they do precisely so you're going to have to bear with me so the next element swipe right zero three zero five two zero underscore zero two four that's the name of the file that you're currently recording at the moment mine are date stamped for their recordings and uh, depending on the setup of the device, it, it, you can put them in different folders. Zoom calls them scenes as well. It's quite complicated, but effectively you can know the name of the track you're recording. And within the app, when you've stopped recording, you can actually rename uh, what you've recorded to anything you like, really. I'm going to swipe right again. Int 29.970. That says Int two nine something 7D. That's to do with time code. That's when you're using the recorder to... To Sync uh, audio with a with a camera etc. I don't know what that means uh, We'll move on from that because I can't help with that. I'm going to swipe right again Eight V. Now this is an interesting one that said 8.0 V Now this is some has some relation to the on-screen battery level indicator And I know this because I've seen this value go down over time with the battery now It's not a very helpful indicator because what do you think? I mean, 8.0 volts, what does that mean? What I do know is that when I'm using one of these NPF batteries, that it tends to start off at 8.3, and when it gets down to 7, it's getting close to being out of juice. So there's some kind of scale it's using there. I don't fully understand what it is. I think that's something Zoom could help us with uh, in terms of uh, firmware to make that more... Uh, understandable as a value but it tells you something about your battery level um i think when i had aa batteries in it was a much lower number but it, it, again it went down as the batteries went down again incredibly useful i don't remember a recorder that really allows us to see the actual battery percentage going right again E-X-E. Ext that refers to the type of battery you're using. So if you did have AA batteries in, that would say AA at that point. Swipe right again. WAV forty eight kHz. That tells you what recording format you're at. You're at WAV forty eight kilohertz. Very useful to know. 022H26. Now this is very interesting. I'm going to go through this character by character. Braille table characters. Zero two zero two two H hotel. Two H, two six, two six. So zero two two H two six. That is a reading of how much time you've got remaining to record on this SD card. So if I turn, we've got no inputs turned on on this SD card at the moment. In fact, no, we've got one input. I'm going to turn another input on on this F six. Uh, it's actually got a shotgun mic connected to it uh, at the moment, and I'm going to go back to that value. 017H57. I'm going to do that character by character. Braille table. Characters. Zero, one, seven h 57 So, you know, now it says 017H57. 17 hours, 57 minutes. Before, it was 22 hours. But because I've switched on another input, in other words, another mic thinks another mic is plugged in, it's in real time reassessed how much remaining time there is on the SD card. Fantastic. Again, for us... Have we ever known that before? I'm going to swipe right. One button. Now we're into um, the tracks. Uh, And as you heard it say there, it said one. Tracks one to six. PFL off button. EV dynamic. P1 button. And I'm going to go into these tracks. I'm going to go into one of them to show you what you can change for these inputs. Uh, I've actually named this one EV dynamic because I was doing it for something else. You can name the inputs um, you could even put someone's name on the inputs if you were recording a discussion the first button where it says one You can arm or disarm this input from this button. So if I press it in fact, I might be able to demonstrate this. Let me see um, There will be hiss again as I say because I'm recording the f 6s output output um, Out of a headphone jack. Yeah, here we are Um So this microphone I've got plugged in is actually plugged into channel to track four. Now I'm going to go down to track four. TR4. Four button. And I'm going to double tap where it says four button. Four. And I've turned off, you won't hear this, but I've turned off that microphone. I'm tapping the end of that microphone that was going into channel four. And I'm going to press that four again. button. TR4. PFL off. TR4. Four button. Four and i'm now tapping the end of that microphone so you can see from the interface let me turn that down because that's horrible noise from the interface i can actually arm and disarm the individual channels tracks okay and let's go back up to to number one two button mm. ev dynamic pfl off button one button so that's one so be- below it, below one is pfl off button pfl now, that stands for pre-fader listen. This is where we get into the settings for this channel. So I'm going to double-tap on that. Button. Menu return button. And I'm at the top of the screen. You heard it said menu return button. That's effen- effectively a back button. Now, there are unlabeled buttons on this screen, but they're they're pretty easy to get grips with. Um, I'm going to swipe right. TR1PFL heading. TR1PFL, so gives us a nice heading. says, this is the PFL the pre-fader listen, the settings for, for track one. Button. And then it says button. Then it says? Input source. Input source. Mic. And it says mic. So it's saying to me that the current input source is mic. Input source. And button. What, the, what the, it's telling me what the control is for and what it's set to at the moment, which is mic. But in order to go in and change that, I'm going to go to the button that is unlabeled. So you get button. 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 Input source. Input source. Mic. Mic. So it's the button that's above input source. Button. That you'd use to change it. So let's double tap on that. Selected. mic, Line. And the other option I swiped right is line. USB one. Or USB one. USB two. Two USB three. USB four. USB four. So I can assign track one, channel one of the recorder to mic or line, or to any one of four USBs. Okay? When you're, when turn. you're button. When you're using it as a USB interface. I'm going to press the menu return button at the the top to go back a level. And then we're going to explore this menu further. So I'm going to swipe right. Button. Input limiter. Input limiter. Off. Off. Inside the input limiter, you can make all sorts of adjustments. The limiter is not active when you're recording in 32-bit float. And the reason for that is that they believe it's not necessary. So let's go in. And have a look at the limiter. Off, off, mm. So Says on and off. Time, me, mm. You can change the knee, that's very complicated. Threshold, zero six D B F S button. Mm. You can set the threshold of the limiter, in other words, what value, what DBS, dB full scale value does it kick in? Attack time, one millisecond. But you can change the attack time. Release time, two hundred milliseconds. Button. Release time. Target level, 60 DBF Target level, 60 DBFs Button. And you go into all these, and these, all these sliders are accessible once you go into these these controls. They are absolutely accessible. They're standard iOS sliders, and they work with VoiceOver. Let's go back a level. Menu turn. Button. So the next one, Phantom. It's Phantom. That's this is where you can turn on Phantom power for this channel, and it has 48, 48 volts next one off button mm. phase invert you can change the phase invert for a channel and that's where i mean without getting into it too much sometimes you can have a a phase issue when you're recording the same thing with two different microphones next one is trim trim button now that again you go into it and you can change the slider and uh when it's in the normal 24 or 16 bit recording mode not the 32 bit float you have a huge range in certainly in the mic settings of 12 to 75 dBU, so it has a big range of gain that you can add, uh, which is good for sort of low powered dynamic mics in particular. Any of you using the Shure SM7B will be very happy about that. There's a, a glitch, I think, in the app here. When you're in 32 bit float mode, sighted people see the trim gain as greyed out whereas it still seems that you can change the value in the app, but it doesn't have any effect. So I think you know, they should ensure that that shows us grayed out in the app as well. You shouldn't be able to change it, and it doesn't do anything when you do change it, but in a sense we wouldn't know that from looking at the levels on the screen. So we're going to go on through this menu. Input delay. Input delay, I won't go into that. That is essentially to deal with slowing down how things are recorded from one channel. If, for example, you're combining wireless, digital wireless systems with um, latency in them with a, a mic directly plugged into the unit, you might want to slow down uh, the one plugged directly in so that it's in, in sync, as it were, with the wireless system. 0. 0.0 milliseconds, button, stereo link. Stereo linking, that allows you to, if you're using, for example, a stereo mic, it allows you to link channels together. Uh, I've had some difficulties with that in, the, in that it allows you to switch it on and off um but I haven't yet found a way in these menus to choose which channels you want to link together there's a sort of matrix in the main menu I've 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 been told uh by a cited person that allows you to say okay it's channels 1 and 2 or channels 3 and 5 that I'm linking so you can switch it on and off you can choose whether it's normal stereo linking or mid-side linking. But uh, to my best knowledge in the app so far, you can't operate accessibly the grid that chooses the linking. On, button, fader. That's the fader. Not to get too technical about this, but you can set the fader level. Generally speaking, the, the knobs on the front of the device are the fader. If you're in 16 or 24-bit, recording mode they're not the trim gain that is set in the menu so with the the knobs on the front you're not really if you're recording an isolated channel you're only really affecting the level of that channel going to the left right mix rather than uh, the level of the channel you have to go into that if you're in 32-bit float mode um, those knobs do act as 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 gain knobs for the isolated channels it's a slightly odd setup um But yes, in 16 or 24 bit mode, they're just faders. But you can set it in here too. Dash six zero dash zero button. Stereo link mode. Stereo link. We talked about that before. Button. Pan. You can set the pan of each channel in here. Let's have a look at that. Button. In fact. Center. picker item. Adjustable. Pick one hundred and one of two hundred and one. There you are. R one. R two. R three. R four. R five. So you can go left or right. R four. R three. R two. R one. Center. L one. L two. L one. Center. See, you can do it in increments as well. That's really, tar, really button, clever. Menu tar, button, pan, center button, HPF, high pass filter, HPF. This is also quite useful. Again, for those of you that know uh, digital recorders, you can uh, use a high pass filter to cut out low rumbly frequencies. If you're, I don't know, recording in a car or when there's some wind or uh, the rumble of uh, an air conditioning system, low level rumble. Uh, Again, the values in in there are all accessible to us. Off. And so you have six of those menus for each of the channels. Now, what I want to do now is go to the bottom of the screen. FW off button. Right at the bottom, you have some transport controls. So FW off. Now, these are slightly oddly labeled. Uh, Let me show you. Um, I'm going to swipe left. I'm at the very bottom of the screen. I'm going to swipe left. BK off button. (laughs) fw off bk off, off rec off play off but play Passive. off stop off button stop off now if i go to rec which is record play off rec off button rec off selected rec off button it says selected rec off because it says selected i know that it's recording and of course you heard the little bleep the record bleep in the cans there um that means it's recording so if i go to stop Play off button. Possibly. Stop off button. Stop off. And it stopped. And I could go to the play button and play it back as well. So you've got the transport buttons at the bottom below all these different inputs for the channels. You've also got menu off button. Menu and mixer off button. Mixer. The mixer isn't terribly accessible at the moment. This shows levels for each channel when it's recording. Uh, that to me isn't very accessible at the moment. I, they They don't seem to have revealed the actual levels but the menu menu off button we are we will have a look at finder button finder top option of the menu is finder i won't go into this directly but that is where you can browse your way through the sd card on this machine uh, go through the folders rename files all that sort of thing rec button here's the rec menu rec
2: empty list Empty list, mode, float, sample rate, 48 kHz, okay. button, menu return, button.
1: So we're going from the top, menu return. REC, heading, mode, float, 32-bit, button. Mode, float, 32-bit. Let's go and look in there. Mode, menu return, button, mode, heading, linear, 16-bit. You can have linear 16. Linear, 24-bit. 24 24-bit. 24 Selected, float, 32-bit. Float, 32-bit, which is what we've got it on. Dual, 16 plus 32-bit. Dual, 24 plus 32-bit, MP3. And you can have MP3. Effectively, you can choose whether to record in 16-bit or 24-bit or you can have the machine record both a, a 16-bit file and a 32-bit float but file or a 24-bit file with a 30-bit. So you actually, because it records an, a, a left-right mix sort of stereo channel as well, this recorder, you can have 14 separate tracks recorded, six inputs, each recording two versions of the same thing, in a 24 bit file with a 32 bit float file, and then the LR mix. Absolutely extraordinary. And you can change it this, this from this record menu. Menu turn button. Now, menu turn. while we're in this menu, let me talk a little bit about 32 bit float mode. Uh, this recorder has dual, what's called dual analog to digital converters, which allows a, a substantially wide dynamic range effectively means you can record very low and very high it also records those files or can record those files in 32 bit float what does that mean well it means that our traditional ideas of 0 db and going over 0 db and that meaning that audio really isn't usable over that or a long way over that isn't usable unless you're specifically looking for a a sound that is distorted overmodulated um, the 32-bit float means that that audio is recoverable. So uh, I will demonstrate that in the next section, but that's really what's going on here. And that's from a blind person's perspective. It means you can get the volume, the levels about right, but you don't need to worry uh, if, there's, if it's a bit quieter or a bit loud or a bit distorted when you get it into your editing software. Because you can bring it down and restore the audio, and I will demonstrate that. It's also worth saying that people might say, "Well, do, does, uh, does our editing software support those those file formats?" Vast majority of editing software uh, does support 32-bit float files, and of course, once you've sorted out the audio and you're rendering it out, you just render it out to a 16-bit or a 20-bit, 24-bit file as usual for streaming or putting on your website. Um, it's, uh, I think, an incredibly powerful uh, option for for us, and it means that we don't have to worry as much as we used to about levels. I'm going to go through this menu very quickly now. REC, heading, mode, float, 32-bit, sample rate, 48 kHz, button. Again, you can go in there and change the sample rate. Uh, you can have up to 192, I think. MP3-bit rate, 320 kbps, button. Again, if you want to record in MP3, you can, and you can change the bitrate. LR track on button. And now I've got the LR, the left-right mix track, as being on, so it's recording a a left-right mix of all my inputs when when I do. Pre-rec on button. Pre-record. Fantastic again. Uh, This means that when you press the record button, if you have this on, it records several seconds before you actually press the record button. So it's buffering sound. Um, and even in 32-bit float mode, I think at, I think at 48 uh, kilohertz, uh, the pre-recording buffer is about six seconds. So you can be six seconds too late pressing record, and it will record what uh, you were trying to get as you scrambled for the record button. Really, really useful. Pre-rec on button. And that's the end of that menu. So I'm going to go back out. Menu turn button. Menu turn. Auto mix button. Ambisonic mode button. Play play one. Metadata for next take, REC button. So I'm going to swipe through and I'm not going to go into all these menus because it's uh, it'll take too long. Metadata for next take, button. That's where you can change the metadata for the next take, in other words, the, the details associated with the file. Play, play one, button. Uh, that's the play menu, I won't go into that now. Ambisonic mode, button. There's ambisonic mode supported by this, this recording, which is effectively taking out four channels to try and do sort of surround sound type of recordings. Auto next button. Auto-mix, that's a function that is on a lot of recorders nowadays. Effectively, what it means is if you've got two or three mics plugged into the recorder, what it tries to do is fade down the mics that aren't getting any input at that moment in time. So if you've got two or three people it tries and one person is speaking in your podcast, it tries to fade down the other two mics a little bit so that you don't get so much room noise And it tries to do that intelligently. You can select which channels that's on and which channels it's not on. Set date slash time button. Date slash time. I haven't had a lot of joy setting that. That's been true of a lot of recorders, hasn't it? Version button. Then there's a version. Background mode on button. Background mode. I don't know what that is. Background mode on button. And that's the end of the menus. So that's taken a long time. But I just wanted to give you an idea. This app isn't perfect uh, for us. There is some unlabeled stuff, there's some stuff that, that appears to work, like the trim when you're in 32-bit float mode that shouldn't work, and there's some issues that that aren't exposed to us. The stereo linking, again, I could be wrong about that, but that doesn't seem to be completely accessible um, at this stage. But how about that? How about being able to have that much control over our audio inputs, our recording levels, our recording formats um, our phantom power all that sort of thing um, straight from an iPhone next section I'm going to demonstrate uh, the realities of recording in 32 bit float mode and what it means when you under record and when you over record so in part 3 what I'm going to do is describe and demonstrate how you can restore audio that you've under or over-recorded in the 32-bit float mode. It is quite an amazing thing when you hear it happen. So let me tell you what I've done. I've recorded two pieces of script that I wrote for a news item I did some while ago, and I've recorded one of them, one version, very, very loud, and I've recorded one version very, very quietly, so quietly that you can't actually hear it when you play it back in Reaper, which is the digital audio workstation that I'm using at the moment. But I'm going to play you the one, first of all, that's incredibly over-recorded. Just bear with me and beware that this is going to sound very loud and distorted. So prepare yourself. I'm about to play it. Lee. Roger Stone's case has once again raised serious questions about the president's proclivity for wading into the very heart of the judicial process. Now, as you can hear, that is distorted, horribly distorted, clipped, overmodded, whatever phrase you want to use. It's just bad. It's unusable audio. It's ugly. And in normal circumstances, if you'd recorded that on a, a digital recorder there's not much you can do about that. There are bits of software out there like RX from Isotope that will have a go at declipping things like that and do a pretty good job in some cases. But generally speaking, if you'd recorded that in a 16- or 24-bit linear format, there's not much you can do about it. You can turn the volume down, but the distortion and the clipping will still be there. Now, what I'm going to do is demonstrate just how badly over-recorded that is. So I'm going to select the item uh, in Reaper on this track, and I'm going to use Control Left Arrow to do that. LED. You heard it say, "One Neumann recorded loud WAV." Uh, it's a Neumann KMS 104 microphone, condenser microphone. For anyone who's interested, so the item is now selected in Reaper. I'm going to do an analysis on it by doing uh, Control Shift and K to give me the peak value and the RMS value of the item.
2: Item analysis dialog. Peak level colon channel 1 equals 20.02 dB. Channel 2 equals 20.02 dB. RMS level colon channel 1 equals minus minus three point dB. Channel 2 equals
1: minus minus three point dB. OK button to activate. Press So you can hear from that 20 dB is the peak. It just sounds horrible. The RMS value is minus, but it doesn't really matter because most of it's peaked way, way over zero, and that's why it's clipping so badly. Now, what can we do about this? Well, because it's recorded in 32-bit float, the information is actually in the file. It's still distorting when we play it back because it's over zero. But we can actually make the information reappear. And visually on the screen, for those of you who uh, have seen some of these things in the past... Clipped audio is sort of flattened at the top of the waveform. And what you do when you start to attenuate with a 32-bit float file is those peaks start to reappear. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to select the item again. I'm going to go to the beginning. I'm going to start playing. And as I start playing, I'm going to start knocking the item level, the item gain down. I'm going to start attenuating the item by a dB at a time. Probably go for about 22 or 23 to make sure it gets under zero. So let's listen, and you should be able to hear the audio starting to improve. Roger Stone's case has once again raised serious questions about the President's proclivity for wading into the very heart of the judicial process. The Department of Justice backed down over its first sentencing request for Stone after the President said publicly it was a miscarriage of justice. Now, you can hear it's certainly quieter than it was, but it also is not clipping. If I'd done that with clipped audio on a linear file, it would have got quieter, but the distortion would have remained. Just have a listen to it. Not clipping. Four DOJ lawyers stepped down from the case as a result, and one resigned altogether. As for Stone himself, his lawyers have filed a motion for a retrial. Ah. Now let's do another analysis on that. Now I'm going to press Control Shift K again. The item is selected. Please wait.
2: Analyzing Newman recorded loud dot loud wow,
1: dot, dot dot dialogue. Progress
2: bar zero percent. Item analysis dialogue. Peak level: colon channel one equals minus zero point nine eight dB. Channel two equals minus zero point nine eight dB. RMS level: colon channel one equals minus twenty four point five oh dB. Channel two equals minus twenty four point five oh dB. Okay, button. To a-
1: so it's just below zero. Ideally, you'd probably wanted a bit lower than that, but you can tell it's below zero, and therefore it's not clipping. Now, of course, that you've restored the quality of the item, the actual the way it sounds, the fact that it's no longer clipping, you can turn it up in the in the track, etc., to make it uh, a proper level for for your mix. But you can see from that that you can actually get back completely over-recorded audio because of the 32-bit float format. Now I'm going to show what you can do if you record something so quietly you can't even hear it in the 32-bit float mode so here's another track one, quiet, one, one Neumann recorded quiet that's my Neumann KMS-104 again I'm going to play from the beginning of the track play. and you can't hear a thing absolutely nothing to hear but there is something there and I'm going to show you Stop. I'm going to select the item one recorded quiet. and I'm going to do an analysis on it with Control shift k
2: Item analysis dialog. Peak level colon channel one equals minus 99.97 dB. Channel two equals minus 99.97 dB. RMS level colon channel one equals minus
1: 124.29 dB. Channel two equals minus 124.29 dB. OK button to activate this. So you can hear that the audio is so quiet that it's at 99 minus 99 dB, and the RMS value is 124. In any normal circumstance, if I boosted this audio up to a stage where you could actually hear it, there'd be so much hiss and noise that it would be equally unusable. Well, let's see what we can do. One quiet, I'm going to start play, playing the audio, and then I'm going to start bumping up in 1 dB increments. I'm going to have to do quite a lot of them, but get from nine, minus 99 to a point where it's audible. Uh, but let's have a go, and I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you how many uh, dB I've done after a while. But I'm going to press play. play. That's thirty dB. Selected. Still can't hear anything. Selected. Sixty dB. Starting to hear something. Selected. So another twenty dB. We're hearing it, aren't we? Should we try six more? Selected. Stop. Now, so we've pu- pushed it up almost 90 dB. Let's play from the beginning. Play. Roger Stone's case has once again raised serious questions about the president's proclivity for wading into the very heart of the judicial process. Ah. Now, I'm going to analyse this item. There's a bit of silence at the beginning, which is going to distort the analysis, but we'll, we'll do it anyway.
2: One recorded Quiet. Please wait. Analyzing Neumann recorded quiet. Dot 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 dialog. Progress star. 0%. Item analysis dialogue. Peak level colon channel 1 equals minus 13.97 dB. Channel 2 equals minus 13.97
1: dB. RMS level colon channel 1 equals minus 38.29 dB. Channel 2 equals minus 38.29 dB. Okay. So it's now at minus 13 uh, peak. Uh, and the RMS, can't remember what it said, but it's a decent level. And the reason it's it's lower is because of that, the RMS is low, is because of that silence at the beginning. But you can tell there's no hiss. Let me... Let me play it again, and I'm going to turn up the track volume when the speech actually Roger starts. Roger Stone's case has once again raised serious questions about the president's proclivity for wading into the very heart of the judicial, <laughs> judicial process. The Department <laughs> of Justice backed down over its first sentencing request for Stone after the president said publicly it was... So what you've heard there is that something that started out as a completely unusable piece of audio at minus 99 dB... If we'd raised it up the amount we needed to raise it up normally, we'd have got so much noise and hiss, it would have been unusable. But what we've managed to do is raise it up, and it's as clean as anything. And that's the beauty of 32-bit float recording. You can over-record or under-record, and you can still get the data back. Because of this huge dynamic range that 32-bit float has, a range of around 1500 dB, 700 plus above zero, 700 plus below zero. And that takes account of anything you're going to hear on the planet, quite frankly. Uh, And honestly, the limitations in terms of over-recording or under-recording are going to be your microphone, not your digital audio recorder's ability to capture the bits and bytes So I hope that's useful, and that's the end of part three, looking at how we restore audio that's been over-recorded or under-recorded. So just to wrap up quickly, I think this is a huge step forward for blind people who want to be able to have access to a sophisticated digital recorder. Uh, 32-bit float mode Is not just going to help people like us. It'll help all sorts of audio engineers. Does it save everything? Is it the answer to every recording problem? Absolutely not. If you place your microphones in the wrong place, it's not going to help you. If you have a lot of noise in the background, it can't eliminate that. It can't make up, in other words, for other kinds of of bad recording techniques. But what it can do is save you if you under record a bit or if you over record a bit as for the app i think there's a a lot more they could do there are many menus that aren't exposed to us. i say many there are a number of menus that aren't exposed to us there's a system menu where you can format the sd card etc there's an output menu where you can sort of route outputs and of course there's the the menus that deal with turning it into a usb interface which would be great to be accessible and i think Uh, and I hope Zoom will look at exposing all those menus to the app in the future. I will say that they have uh, brought an app update out since I've had this, and it's not been very long, so there is obviously some development going on there. So, for example, the app does not disconnect from the the device if if the app is in the background while the machine is on. So you can go away on your iPhone and do something else and then not have to go through the rigmarole of reconnecting Uh, the connection it's still there and it does also allow for connection to more than one f6 device if you have the money to have more than one f6 device so lots to improve on the app but a big step forward hope that's been good i hope it's been useful Uh, that's all from me for now all i can say is get out that microphone and get out
0: there Many thanks to Gary O'Donoghue for putting that together. Goodness knows what you've unleashed, Gary, in the blind community. But I have to tell you, I have my Zoom F6 still in its box in the corner. Looking forward to getting into it myself. So we may well have more to say about the Zoom F6 in future episodes of the podcast. I also hope that if more of us obtain this recorder, we may well be able to advocate in a constructive way to Zoom for some of those enhancements to the app that Gary was referring to. All good stuff. And what an impressive demonstration of the benefits of 32-bit float recording. I remind you to be in touch with the podcast. You can drop an email with an audio attachment or just write something down and send it into Jonathan. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at mushroomfm.com. You can also call the listener line 864-60-MOSIN, 864-606-6736. MOSIN PODCAST